Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Who has become his counselor? Maybe some of you have been God's counselor. That's why I tell you guys when you pray, you don't want to go to prayer telling God what to do. We always go to prayer asking the all-knowing what he wants us to do. God, I'm coming. This is what my little mind sees this, but I know you know everything, so I'm asking. You never want to go to God having it all figured out. God, I got it figured out. I know that this will be best for me. And so I'm asking you, open this door and make that person say yes and do this thing over here. You can you God's counselor? Oh, who would become his counselor? None of us, but maybe some of us have. Don't be God's counselor. How often do you give advice when it's not asked for? It's hard to not spew your opinions everywhere because from our experience, we're right. But today, Pastor Bill reminds us that God doesn't need our counsel. While we might go about things differently if we were him, it's only because we don't see everything that he sees. We don't even have the full picture. So, before you go telling God what to do, take a step back and remember, he knows everything, while you know nothing in comparison. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There are things that I realize as I walk with the Lord, like I don't want to do that. Now there's a work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. It's not some outward set of rules trying to govern my life. But God says, I'm working from the inside out. I'm going to convict you against that behavior. And you're going to not want to continue to be active in that behavior. And that'll cause you to come to me and seek me for help. And eventually you'll be free. And that's how the Holy Spirit works from the inside out. It's not religion. It's not legalistic. But God does bring us into a place of deliverance and freedom. And he frees us up more and more and more. And sometimes the way God frees us is by causing us to be separated from some things. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but he said, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. So Paul said, I'm not going to use my liberty in a way that could bring me into bondage. I'm not going to exercise my liberty in a way that could hinder me. Ultimately, I want to be free. I want to stay free. And so I encourage you guys that we we have entered into relationship with the Lord by grace and we do get to be an example to the Jew and even to the religious of what it is to walk in freedom and liberty with Christ. We get to be an example of what it looks like. And so we want to be a good example um, as you walk in your freedom and walk in power and victory in Christ. We want to share that with other people that they might know God's goodness. Be free about sharing. Some of us, we get saved and we don't want people to know that you're still we're still being worked on. And we can kind of present to people like, yeah, you know, I got saved, but now I'm way up here. Oh, I don't, I don't sin at all. Maybe once a week, maybe on a bad week. But we all know better than that, don't we? So don't present like that because it'll leave somebody lost like, man, I, I don't think I could ever do that. You're so holy. Wow. You know, I don't think I could ever attain to that when we know that we're not that holy. I want to leave the door open for some people that are failing still and say, look, I'm, I've been walking the Lord this long. I still blow it. God's still working on me. I'm not what I was, though. Right. Don't ever be content to stay stuck. I should not be where I was five years ago. Shouldn't be because the work of God is progressive. We're moving forward. So if you're stuck five years ago, I'm going to say you need to get evaluated. You, know, you might need to check some things out. But our walk in our life in Christ should be progressive. We should be moving forward, making progress. The things that God is speaking. We talked about this at the men's advance. The things that we're dealing with this year, they ought to be different than last year. And all the guys that went up and we, you know, we're seeking to be overcomers. We want to walk this out 
And when we go up next year, if God tarries, by the grace of God, I pray that we'll go up and be overcoming new things. That we won't go up there needing to overcome the thing that you came down needing to overcome, but that there be progression and growth in our relationship with the Lord. And so he told him two times in this section, he told him in verse 18, he says, do not boast against the branches, right? Don't boast against them. You've been grafted in. And he says, they're the root that supports you. Don't boast against, don't talk bad about the Jews. Don't talk bad about Israel. Now I have to say this as well. Uh, I believe that anti, um, oh man, how you say it? Anti-Semitic, anti-Semiticism. <laughs> Hatred of the Jews, right? I believe that it is satanically inspired, right? God says, I choose them. Well, Satan says, then I hate them. And as you look back, as far as you can look back, there's been an attempt on them, right? Wouldn't God tell the woman through your seed? The Messiah is going to come through your seed. And so oh, right away, that's the first we had a kid kill a kid. Um, they had things going on from the very beginning as um, you look at the Jewish, their history overall. How many times did they try to extinguish all the Jewish male child? Every time that happened, it was it was that was satanic. I believe satanically inspired Hitler. I mean, he, he really put a dent in the Jewish population, but he didn't stop him. Or who inspired him to do what he did? Why, how do you hate a single group of people that bad? Where you, you employ military might and strength to, to wipe them out, satanically inspired. And so I'm going to set us all free. Do we hate anybody? Do we hate any group of people? No, not as believers. We absolutely don't. But understand that Satan inspired those things. Wanted to wipe them out. When Jesus was born, all the babies from this age killed. Kill them all. They missed them though. They always miss the one that because God's sovereign, he's in charge of everything and he was going to get his will accomplished. But I want you to note that that they are a hated group of people. You know, a lot of people now look at Israel. Man, Israel just in the way. They just causing all this battles and wars. And won't they just give them their their this and they give them their that and da 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 da. And it's like, really? Do your homework. Right. They've been the ones that have been ripped off. And this is the thing I love. Right. I believe that God is protecting them. So I, be, I can't wait for somebody to finally decide. We're going to go ahead and do war with Israel. I can't wait to see how God's going to deliver. Right. Because they're not going to be wiped out. And it's interesting on their history. They're so small, but they're so hated. Do your homework. It is supernatural. Every time someone's come against them, somehow they win. Every time. Every look at all the wars when people have gone against them. They win. They're the only nation that was wiped out of their country. Nobody else has been wiped out of their country, came back reestablished and flourished in their land again. Nobody else. Sodom and Gomorrah, you see any Sodom and Gomorrahites? You don't. They're gone. They're nations that have been wiped out and they're wiped out completely. You don't see them anymore. But the Jews were wiped out and so people scoffed at all the verses that talked about how they were going to do this and do that and flourish in the land and how they were going to be part of the end time sequence of events and in Jerusalem, this, that, and the other. But what happened in May 14, 1948? What happened? They got reestablished in their land. And not only are they there, you guys, they're flourishing in their land. They got an agricultural society is popping. They got technology that's going. They're rich. Little bitty thing flourishing. Why? God's just with them. So we just need to know that as a church, right? We don't worship Jewish people, Jewish culture. Realistically, we look at them at large and say, wow, they've rejected the Lord. I've been to Israel. They've rejected Christ. They've, they've gone after religion. But God said, I, I still got a plan for them. 
It's supposed to encourage us. If I can look at them, they haven't given God anything to love, but God still loves them. It should be an encouragement to people that have said, I love God. Right. There's a group that God has chosen and they don't give him anything in response. They don't want him. They reject him. They don't love him. And God says, but I'm keeping my commitment. Then that should really encourage you and I as we struggle and we we're frail and we blow it and we mess up that God loves us with that same love. That's the God that we serve. We're at least trying, you know, we're at least making making moves toward the Lord. So it should actually encourage us in our walk and our relationship with Christ. Moving on. Look at verse 22. It says, therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you, goodness. And if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Guys, I want you to consider the, the two part, two parts of who I am. And I always hate this about, you know, ministers that don't want to talk about the other, you know, people love to talk about this, the side of the coin over here that says God loves you and he's gracious and merciful and compassionate and all those things are true. But nobody wants to talk about the flip coin where God is just and he deals with sin and he punishes iniquity. And he did create hell for the devil and his angels and all of that rejected will go there. That's the flip side of the coin. And so God says, I want you to consider, consider the goodness and the severity of God. And he said, on those who fail, severity, right? On those who fell away, on those who rejected him, on those who didn't walk with him, they've experienced God's severity. These people have died and gone to hell. They don't get to come back and do it over. They've experienced the severity of God. And it's permanent. It's no joke. I'd be an unfaithful minister if I didn't acknowledge that, you know, when God judges, it's no joke. You don't really want to fall on that side of God. Um, but then God says, I want you also, but towards you, he says, my goodness. And he gave a, a, a qualifier. If you continue in his goodness, right? Those that believe will not only enter into his goodness, but they'll continue in his goodness. God says, towards you, you, you experience my goodness. How do I know just, if you just continue in it? Continue to walk in my goodness. I've been good to you. My grace towards you. Unmerited, undeserved favor from God towards you and I. God said, but continue to walk in it. And so I just need to be mindful that those two sides of God exist. His goodness and his severity. Verse 23 to 25 says, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So what God is saying here is that in the same way that we've been grafted in, I don't know if you guys hear anybody here does plants, um, but there's sometimes you can take a plant and you can put a part on a plant and it'll finally graft together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here do plant? I don't, but I know that that works. So you can, you can put it together and it, it grafts in. So now this branch, I grafted into this strong vine and eventually they, it takes root in the vine and they, they come together or whatever. God says we've been grafted into the olive branch to Israel. And he says they also can be grafted back in. What's he saying here? that we wouldn't count them out, that they're going to be Jewish people that are getting saved. There are Jewish people today that come to Christ and they end up knowing the Lord. It's a remnant. It's a small group, 
But there are Jews today that get saved and come to know the Lord. And he says, this is going to go on. Um, what he says at the end of verse 25, um, that says this happened in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. What is the fullness of the Gentiles, right? There's a number. God knows how many people are going to get saved. We're the Gentiles. We're, we're that group. There's going to come a time when just the, the last person that's going to get saved, gets saved. And then what happens after that? The rapture. We get caught up to be with the Lord. Um, I always be wondering, who is that last person? Like, where are they? I can they just do it right now. Maybe you may be here today, you know, but there's a the, the, the fullness of the Gentiles represents that that when the last person that's going to be saved gets saved, boom, the church is going to be raptured. We're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And it's going to be from that point that God begins to really turn his attention again towards the Jewish people and works in them. If you notice, um, I, won't, I don't have time to go to it, but the 144,000 that go out evangelizing in, in the book of Revelation, what's their nationality? Jews. And I always like to add, they're also virgins. So I don't know what the Joes wants to be talking about, but they're Jewish people. They're going to be getting saved in the droves. They're going to be a big part of God's plan during that period of time. The church is going to be where? With the Lord, caught up, be with the Lord. There'll be non-believers left on earth, all the believers caught up to heaven. Jewish believers along with regular believers will all be caught up to be with the Lord. Uh, but it's an extension of God's grace that he's still going to be working in the lives of them that are here, that are left behind. There'll be people that get saved during the tribulation period. I look at verses 26 to 28. It says, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And I, I was really looking at this. The first part of verse 26 is that all Israel is going to be saved. Remember, so this, the, the fullness of the Gentiles has come. The church has been raptured. There are going to be people that are that die during the tribulation period. And at the end of that time, there's going to be elect Jewish people that get saved. They get sealed. They get marked during the tribulation period, um, marked and set apart for God. They're going to be saved, that group. Then he says again that, that the deliverer will come from Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Um, this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And God is further just expressing that I have a plan for them. Um, this is a verse I really wanted to cover. Verse 29, it says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That word irrevocable means without repentance. And God says, look, toward Israel, my calling, the thing that I, I've gifted them, called them to do, it's irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind about what he desired to do for and with a group of people. We can resist him. We can hold out. We can waste time. But God says, my gifts and callings are irrevocable. That's so important for us today because there are many people that are not walking in all that they've been gifted and all that they've been called to do. And God says, look, the gifts and callings of God, they're without repentance. They're irrevocable. If you knew 10 years ago that God called you to do something, but you've never done it, you haven't taken steps to do it yet. God still has called you and gifted you to do that. He's not changing his mind. Right. There are men that are called to be ministering, teaching the word, but they haven't responded to the call or taken the call or walked in the call or they they've lived contrary to the call god says it's gonna be really frustrating to be living life with that those gifts and that calling but doing something else i think that's why so many are unfulfilled 
Because God said, I've gifted you and called you to do something. I'm not changing it, but you keep doing other stuff, finding that you're empty, unfulfilled. But if we realize that the gifts and callings are irrevocable, they're without repentance. In the same way, God didn't change his mind about what he gifted and called Israel to do. He said, even if I have to wait till the end times, it's going to happen with them. So for you and I, God says, I, I, I don't change my mind. I've gifted you and called you to do certain things. So I would encourage us here, right? If you're here and you say, man, I got this gift. Why aren't you functioning in that? For some, they don't function in their, according to their gifts and callings because they got sin in their life. And sin is a disqualifier. And so I'm, I live disqualified, therefore I don't get to use this. Could you repent of your sin so that God could get going with you because the gifts and callings are without repentance? Uh, God does restore. God will forgive you. God will cleanse you. God will, God will start over. God won't change his mind. So it's not like, you know, you can repent and be forgiven and God's okay, we'll start from here. Uh, I've seen that happen in men's lives. I've seen people that blew it and looked like they were just done. But I watched them humble themselves and repent and be restored and be useful to the Lord once again. And I do want to encourage anybody here that's sitting saying, man, these are my gifts. This is my calling. Maybe you used to use your gifts. Now you're not using your gifts. So you're frustrated and you're unfulfilled. Would you seek the Lord about how you might begin again to use your gifts and respond to his calling upon your life? It's the most fulfilling thing that a human being can do is to walk in their calling and to exercise their gifts for the glory of God and the benefit of the body. And the most unfulfilling thing you can do in this life is to be called and gifted to do something, but never do it. Be doing something else. It'd be like a guy that's gifted physically to play basketball. He's six foot eight. He got great athleticism and you got him on the golf course. The clubs are too low. He got to bend down. He's all uncomfortable. And it's like, man, you need to be on the basketball court. You frustrated over here. You belong over there. You know, somebody needed to guide him in a different direction. That's just in the, in the, in the natural. But in the spirit realm, it's true. There are people that are gifted and called to do things that they won't do, aren't doing. But you're always doing something else. Everybody's doing something. But the things that you're doing leave you empty and unfulfilled. I love you. And I challenge you in the love of God that you guys would take advantage of this verse. God said that they're without repentance. I will never change my mind. So if you already know what it was or used to do it, then you know what to come back to. But if God's just spoken it to you and you've heard him speak it to you many times, that you would pursue it. God, I just I need to get back into that place that I've been gifted and called to do these things and they're without repentance. So I can repent or I can get moving forward and you will not change your mind. You're going to do these things in my life. I'll tell you that this verse encouraged me when when I first was praying and God was telling me to leave the church that I was at. And go to, you know, go to a bigger church. I ended up going to Calvary Chapel Downey, which is a, for you guys that have been there, it's a huge church. And at my little church I was at, I had, I had a ministry responsibility. I, I was preaching the word already. I was involved in those ways. And a thought that I had was that, you know, over here they recognize my gifts and they're allowing me to be used. But I, I sat over there and I'm like, one, I don't see any black ministers. The place is humongous. I don't even know where you would begin to get involved. And it was this that God said, look, if I called you, I called you. I didn't just call you in one place. If you're called, you're called wherever you go. I'll deal with that. You just need to go. And as I went and I watched God do that, I watched God open doors and bring me to a place where I was able to use my gifts there. And I, I see that this is true. His gifts, callings, they're, they're without repentance. He won't change his mind. Look at verse 30. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. 
Even so, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. And so just recognizing that at large, the Jewish people have been disobedient to God's calling, but that's made way for you and I. That's how come the attention turned towards the, the Gentiles and we've been able to be saved. You know, God didn't just say, they won't listen now. I'll, I'll turn my attention over here. And last chunk here, 33 to 36. Oh, the depths. And this is, uh, I like how Paul ends this section. It's like a crescendo of praise to the Lord that he closes with. It says, oh, the depths, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And that's why we need to be careful about always trying to find out the ways of God. There are people that get themselves in all kind of trouble trying to get into the mind of God and understand why God does it like this and why God does it like that. I really want to just study what God does. If I could understand why he does everything he does, I'd be just like God, which I'm not. Um, he's so far greater than us. It's a stumbling point for some people feel like they got to understand it all. So he says his ways are past our finding out. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. Once again, he says here, who, who knows the mind of God? None of us. We don't know his mind. Not thoroughly. We know what's been revealed, but we don't know his mind completely. Who has become his counselor? Maybe some of you have been God's counselor. That's why I tell you guys, when you pray, you don't want to go to prayer telling God what to do. We always go to prayer asking the all-knowing what he wants us to do. God, I'm coming. This is My little mind sees this, but I know you know everything, so I'm asking. You never want to go to God having it all figured out. God, I got it figured out. I know that this will be best for me, and so I'm asking you, open this door and make that person say yes and do this thing over here. You count, you God's counselor? No. Who has become his counselor? None of us. But maybe some of us have. Don't be God's counselor. You don't go telling God, what do you do? You ask him. God, I'm seeking you. You can tell him what you think, how you feel, but say, God, but I want you to sift through it. Who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid him? Who's given to God and you wait for God to pay you back? <laughs> I hope you're not. That's the whole folly of the word faith movement. They demand, they teach you to pray demanding God. God, you in that kind of tone too, telling God what to do and stomping their feet and shouting and everything else. I beg you, don't go to God like that. I might do your funeral. Don't be shouting at the Lord. Don't be stomping your feet. Don't be demanding of God. We always come humble before an almighty God. Amen. That's just wisdom. Again, any of your kids walk up to you. Tell my mom, I want dinner right now. I want and telling her what you want. I want chicken and fries and grits and gravy. And you'd be like, boy, y'all wouldn't accept that from your kid. So why would God accept that kind of mess from his kids? You won't find anybody in the Bible talking to the Lord like that. Nobody. You look at men in the Bible and women in the Bible that knew God and you look at the reverence they enter in with. Same reverence you and I had better enter in with. Amen. Verse 36. For of him and through him and in him are all things to whom belong glory forever. Amen. And they made a song on that verse right there. For of him and to him and through him are all things to whom belongs glory. To him belongs all the glory for everything. 
Every good thing, every beautiful thing, every perfect work, every every work of grace, every salvation, every created thing, every opportunity of him, to him, through him, everything. He should be honored and glorified through it. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome drawing on a rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, Let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything He had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.